This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Today, we're going to be talking about um, direct-to-consumer, B2C. Um, And for a long time, there were a handful of brands that kind of dominated consumer retail, whether or not it's here or in the US, and whether it was Kodak in cameras or Gillette in razors. Um, The top brands in more than 10 categories didn't really change much between 1923 and 1983. And then along came the internet, and it democratized a whole bunch of things, uh, particularly the tools required to start and scale a business. And over the last, over the next couple of decades, a new class of startup emerged. These would be people that were selling uh, eyeglasses to clothing to baby and supply products. And this first generation of kind of direct-to-consumer companies was defined by a few things. Borrowed supply chains, for example, web-only retail, direct distribution, social media marketing, and a particular style of brand identity. Um, Something a little bit different today, though, I have the CEO and co-founder of a multi-brand direct-to-consumer retail provider, RPG Commerce. His name is Melvin Chi, and he's here to talk about innovations in retail, R&D, behavior-first approach to products, and the utilization of technology for a global reach. Hi, Melvin, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me here. Uh, it's an honor. Good thanks. No problem at all. Talk to me um, a little bit then about um, RPG Commerce. Let's start with that. How did you get started? Um, what was the kind of pain points that you were initially trying to kind of solve? Uh, I understand you were formed back in, in 2017 or thereabouts. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So uh, a quick sort of little bit of introduction to RPG. Uh, I mm. started a company back in 2017, uh, back in Melbourne, Australia. So I was based out of Melbourne for about six and a half years um, before I came back home to Malaysia. And I think uh, at a point of time, you know, being out of uni, uh, my background was in performance marketing or digital marketing at a, at a point of time. And um, I was just trying to find out, you know, what could I turn my skills into something money yeah. and, and by default, I came across e-commerce at a point of time. And that, uh, and long story short, um, we found out that we could. Uh, there's a lot more innovations in supply chain that we're seeing in uh, across Asia and across uh, the entire world, combining yeah. the power of internet and advertising to build global direct consumer brands, and that's how we got started essentially a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. I read recently that you you've received some funding as well. Was that last year? Sometime last year. That's right. Um, we raised uh, institutional venture capital funding about a year, just under a year and a half ago, officially. Uh, right. Okay. So I, I, I was sneaky and uh, as I do, uh, uh, for most things, I headed over to your website and had a quick look. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at some of the brands that, you know, you, you, you've created, uh, UB, I believe is one thousand miles, Montego comfort Recom- uh, Republic. Um, so you have, um, clothing brands, you have, um, you know, apparel, um, about the markets that, and the niches that you've chosen to work in. How did you choose these, these particular niches? Uh, and what was the kind of thought process behind that? Sure. A, a little bit of context to that again. Now, I think today across RPG, we have 12 brands uh, under the portfolio umbrella. They are spanning across all the way from your apparel, clothing, to your home and living, including yeah. kitchenware, 
uh, water bottles so on and so forth. And I think uh, Madurido markets has always been in North America, or at least outside of Southeast Asia, even though we're based out of Malaysia and Singapore, but our main markets has always been global kind of approach. And how we started was really honing in on consumer insights. You know, as a company, we always wanted to build a product or brand as a product-led growth kind of company rather than a marketing-led growth company. And it's a two different thing here uh, in a company yeah. that we talk a lot about. So a lot of uh, a lot of time uh, being put into consumer insights. We have a strike team that are constantly on ground, speaking to consumers, finding out you know what are we really solving for consumers. And I think hence the kind of products that we have today in RPG are not your generic OEM products, but really mm-hmm. you know putting a lot of time and effort to design them uh, to to get an end product today we have. And I think that's how we think about our product here in RPG. Mm-mm. I mean, when the, uh, the the pitch originally came through, you know, it, it was about you know how you rethink everyday items by by taking this behavior first approach, you know, not creating what the market has much of, but what it needs and what consumers need, you know, helping to build brands and products that consumer can trust to be a part of their lives. With so much information out there now, and so many products out there now, you know, and the ability to kind of log into Instagram, see a product immediately, click one button or press one button and immediately be taken to a sales page. You know, how do you make sure that your products stand out, you know, that they are different to what other people are seeing out there now already? Just spot on. I think, you know, the, today it's so transparent that um, you're no longer doing the arbitrage kind of play where you could just get another product somewhere else and just sell it to consumers. Probably right. five years ago it works, but not yeah. anymore today. But I think we are also seeing that there's a shift in consumer spending when it comes to the products that they resonate with, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the Zen Z or the millennials of consumer behavior spending, right? Where mm-hmm. they want to shop or consume products that they actually relate to, whether it be yeah. It's the story, it's the vision, it's the team, or is the sustainability angle of the product behind it. And I think that's what mm-hmm. we are seeing today, right? Where every product, every brand that we have in RPG has a strong sense of uh, relations to the consumers that they are constantly talking to. And I think that's the key of uh, building a consumer brand today, right? Where it's no longer one single brand and you have thousands of products on there anymore, but it's very specific that, hey, I want my pair of shots from XYZ brand. I want yeah. my water burner from another brand. And I think that's a fragmentation that we see in the consumer market today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, competition. There is a lot of competition out there right now, especially from um, companies that are not necessarily based here in Malaysia, um, whether or not, you know, we're talking about some of the bigger players based out of China or and, and even the way in which they market themselves as not necessarily being a Chinese player, if, if you understand what I mean. Um, how do you deal with that kind of economy of scale, though? You know, I mean, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a friend who's a, a big follower and a big user of uh, Sheen or Shine, you know, and they're constantly using that brand. Um, and even when you try to discuss with them, you know, maybe look somewhere else, maybe try a different brand. Uh, <laughs> it can be difficult because they have the economy of scale and the price is really, really low. How do you keep your prices reasonable to um, the Malaysian general public? Definitely not a great question again. Um, I think I think the model for Sheen is probably very much different than the kind of play that we're playing in. Sheen mm-hmm. as, a, as a business, of course, is a lot more fast fashion. It's millions of SKUs on the platform every single day. But I think for us, uh, we steer ourselves away from fast fashion. 
we built technical fashion apparels. So in a sense yeah. that it's it's not heavy on SKUs, but very much on like really on problem solving and problem statements of consumers day to day life. And I think, you know, up to today, um, in fact, our supply chain is still very much 100% in, in China uh, across mm-hmm. the world. Today. Even though we're shipping across the world, we have five warehouses in, in the US, Australia, Europe, Malaysia, Hong Kong, and really serving different parts of the world. And I think one way to really reduce the cost it's, uh, up to today for us is still scalability. Economies of scale still comes from manufacturing in China, uh, yeah. even though we're setting up this part of the world. Yeah. I'm on the phone, of course, with CEO and co-founder of multi-brand uh, direct-to-consumer retail provider, RPG Commerce, Melvin Chi. He's on the line with me. He'll still be on the line with me, hopefully, in just a few moments. We're going to take a short break here on Tech Talk. My name is Rich Bradbury here uh, for BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury and this is Tech Talk. I'm on the phone with Melvin Chi. He's the CEO and co-founder of the multi-brand direct-to-consumer retail provider, RPG Commerce, uh, Malaysian-based uh, now, uh, before the break, we were speaking about um, a little bit about some of the uh, approach that other um, brands have or other uh, B2C, direct-to-C, uh, D2C cons- uh, companies have. Uh, Melvin, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, how important is it to you, um, you know, to, to be based here in Malaysia and for people to know that you're a Malaysia-based company? I think I think you know it's a beauty uh, or it's a privilege to be based out of this part of the world. I would say. Yeah. So I, I lived six seven years in Melbourne, year and a half in the US before I came back yeah. home to Malaysia. I always think that you know Malaysia has always been very strategic uh, to every part of the world. Within three to four hours, you could fly pretty much in the radius of uh, your China, your Indonesia, and other parts of the world. And I think in terms of talent wise as well, I think uh, we we are in pretty interesting geographically at least where. Mm-hmm. You have a huge community of people that speaks English as a second language, or, or probably even first language. And yeah, we're, we're so we're so grown up with uh, at least uh, the kind of culture, the kind of things that we're seeing in the other side of the world through your your through your Netflix, through your Hollywood days of growing up watching even you know cartoons and whatnot. And I think those kind of things has definitely breached the way we think about consumer and really breached the way we yeah. think about uh, selling across the world. And I think building a business on internet alone has really gave us that uh, it's a limitless market. It's a consumer market. We shouldn't be, right. we shouldn't just sell here in this part of the world or being in regional business, but thinking really truly global. And I think that's super inspiring for a lot of people here in, here in the company as well. And I think that's what been keeping us going and, and been super interesting for us as well. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, you guys are like, you're doing the ideation, you're doing the development, the branding, the digital marketing, the content creation, or the customer, the customer service, everything, right? Um, and how hands-on are you, uh, Melvin? Definitely, I think you know, my role has probably changed day to day. Probably, you know, uh, three years ago compared to today, we are a team of 145 across two different offices right now. But uh I'm um, still very hands-on. I think you know I, I was uh, you know always been an entrepreneur, been a been mm-hmm. an operator as well. Uh, up to today, I still get into the website trying to fix up conversions, trying to fix up a little every little bug that I'm seeing. I know it's not scalable, but I think 
I'm still doing that. And I still want to show to the team that, you know, it doesn't mean that where we are today that, you know, I've delegated everything away, but really still being on ground and stepping to be on ground so that, you know, mm-hmm. you earn that respect that you are on ground with the rest of the guys as well. And, and there's a challenge and there's a, there's a, there's good and bad about it, but uh, that's a journey of building a startup, building a business uh, with the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I want to talk to you about um, the, the future of e-commerce and just a little bit. Uh, because I, I speak to a, a lot of people involved in, in this industry, you know, whether they're big players and small players or wherever they come from. And everybody have and has their own opinion of this. Um, what's yours? And uh, what do you expect is going to happen over the next um, four or five years? I mean, things that I have predicted is stuff, you know, um, people using their voice a lot more to order things with it. And it'll be less of clicking buttons. It's more about, you know, hey, Google, order me this. And do you, is that something that you've kind of, I don't know, thought about for your business model? Yeah, I think this is super interesting, right? And I always like to tell this story, especially mm. where, you know, where we're heading towards to in the next couple of years. And, and of course, I think a little bit, uh, there's a bit more credit to COVID has definitely accelerated the kind of adopt, adoption of e-commerce, <laughs> yeah. at least, right? And, and, and I always tell this story that, you know, my parents, uh, during the boomers generation, uh, mm. lived in a small town about three hours away from KL, never mm. once shopped online. And the other kind of yeah. guys that say, hey, you know, don't put your credit card on a payment system, right? They're the oh, kind of I know those people like, well, yeah. yes. <laughs> exactly. So, so and COVID for the first time, um, I see them buying groceries online. I see them buying shop, uh, buying books online and even, even buying undies online, right? And I thought yeah. that was super interesting, right? That uh, that's a huge huge amount of community of people that used to never shop at all. And, and probably these guys were shopping in departmental stores and whatnot. They are shifting towards this way of consumer, right? being a, mm. being the online consumer and the Zen Z consumer. I think that's super interesting, right? Like yeah. where this entire D2C is heading towards to, where the kind of uh, behavior is heading towards to today that my mom was like, why do I need to, you know, drag a huge bag of groceries out uh, when I can just always order a Tesco delivery delivered to my yeah, house right yeah. in front, right? And I think that has really been a game changer to a lot of all this, to the boomers generation at least that never mm-hmm. shop online, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. a huge wave that's going to be super interesting on what's going to happen in the next couple of years, right? The, this group of co- community of people that has spending power, that cares about the quality, that cares about p- products they're consuming, that will actually move the way how e-commerce is being shaped and how products or consumer brands are being shaped. And I think mm-hmm. uh, that's how, that, that's the bigger anticipation that we're looking into as well uh, for the coming years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my discussion the, the last kind of few months, um, especially during COVID, was how do you convince people that, um, you know, things have to change um, and you have to kind of, it's like you observed, uh, Melvin, you know, there are people who, haven't wanted to shop online or haven't really felt the need to shop online. And then it became, you know, uh, a necessity. And, and even for businesses who have been long established and whether or not they're brick and mortar or not. Um, and some of them are, are, are kind of worried about getting online and worried about getting their business online. How have you thought about that? You know, and, and does that bother you when you, uh, in the future, perhaps, you know, people who are still sat at home thinking, I don't, I don't want to spend my money online. You know, how, how do you touch those people? How do you speak to those people? I think, I think there's a lot of education involved. And I think it's mm. part of the community. It's part of 
everyone's job in educating as well. And end of the day, I think we just got to evolve. We just got to adapt as a business, right? Even even I had friends in brick and mortar saying that, hey, you know, good days were over, right? Now, pretty much our revenue is down 90% because we were not yeah. been operating over, you know, X amount of time. And I think, I think in, in these situations or when tough times hits, I think that's where, that's where it's really being tested on how are you thinking as an entrepreneur and how are you sort of evolving as a business as well? Same with consumer. I think there's just a lot more education, a lot more trust uh, needed. And, and it's part of everyone's job, right? Whether it be it, it's a shipping company to the merchants that are selling products to the delivery guys that are delivering your products, right? I think I think across the entire journey, and, and today we can see that, you know, uh, in even a market like Malaysia, we have been so, it has been so sophisticated that you get a parcel within the next 24, 48 hours, right? We don't see yeah, this happening yeah. three years ago. And I think yeah. that's moving to a great change, right? And, and probably what's more exciting in the, in the coming one, two years, we probably could see delivery coming down to 12, 24 hours, right? And, yeah, and that's yeah. just going to enhance the whole experience of consumers, right? And I think those are the things that I'm super, truly passionate about and, and excited about on how consumer markets moving towards too. And I think um, those are the things that are just going to bring better consumer uh, trust, better way of shopping, and, and it's going to be a win-win for everyone. Mm. I just want to wrap up then, I, I guess, with, um, and this is kind of bringing it very much into RPG's kind of lap. You know, talk to me about your your R and D process and and how you kind of, uh, I don't know, and, and your working environment as well. These are a couple of things that I'm really interested in, especially during the, the, the COVID period. Um, talk to me about those things. Definitely. I think um, starting with R&D process, uh, we believe a lot in the, in the PNG way of approaching consumers, um, how to win, how to play, where to play, and exactly what consumers are looking at. So in fact, we do a lot of focus group studies uh, with our consumers uh, every now and then, where we split into a couple of tiers. So you have your super loyal customers, you have your customers that purchase once that never coming back, they hate you, and your customers that probably purchase once in a while. And, and really right. honing in and understand what's the behavior, how are they thinking about the product, and really getting them to include into those groups to do consumer groups, focus studies, mm. right? and, and ask them mm. tough questions. I think that's been working very well for us as a company, um, creating products that really you know, resonate, uh, resonance with consumers. But of course, on and off, we have products that are just total flop, right? And, and I think yeah. that's just you know, made us to, to, to create products better and better over a period of time. And I think that's how we've been approaching. And up to today, even at the scale we are at today, we are still doing that and we should continue being doing that uh, in the coming years to come. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. And then just to wrap up, your working environment now, now things, obviously you've, we've been all locked down for, for over two years almost. I, I assume a lot of it has been working from home, has it? That's right. We've been remote since the start of pandemic, but uh, we are slowly encouraging people to come back to the office since everyone, yeah. 100% of the population of our office is uh, triple dose right now. So I think that's 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 good thing to um, uh, to celebrate on. And I think, you know, we're, we're coming back slowly as a hybrid environment where it's two to three days a week. But eventually, yeah. as time goes by, I think, you know, we want to bring back the team, but also creating that flexibility to work from home whenever needed um, based on, you know, the schedules of our people. But I think moving forward, uh, it's going to be quite hybrid for us as a company. Mm-mm. Great. Melvin, thank you so much for your time today. Lovely chat. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. I appreciate it. 
My Thank pleasure. You. Folks, I've been on the phone with Melvin Chi. He's the CEO and co-founder of multi-brand direct-to-consumer retail provider RPG Commerce. Head over to their website. It is rpg.ventures. Have a look around, see if you like something, and get in touch with those. If you missed any part of this show, you can download the podcast and listen back at your leisure. I recommend you use the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. For BFM 89.9, my name is Rich Bradbury. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.